0: Today on Hardwired. Here's one of the ways God uses the Great Tribulation. When people see all this stuff going on and they hear these Jewish evangelists preaching the gospel, they say, this has to be the judgment of God. I'm going to come under the blood while I still can. And there's a great ingathering of souls during the Great Tribulation, although many of them
1: will die martyrs' deaths. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's program, you can always listen to it at our website, hardwired.org. You may have been listening to the program for a while or possibly just tuned in. Well, I want you to know that we do this for you. With a world that is searching and coming up empty, It's nice to know you can land on this message of hope and truth, something we all need to hear. So let's jump right in with today's program. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up in today's edition of Hardwired. Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you
0: so very much for joining us. Well, we're going through the book of Revelation on Hardwired, it's been a great series, very informative, very illuminating, and today, We're going to finish up what we saw last time about the seven seals. The Bible says the first judgments that are poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world going through the Great Tribulation is the seven seals. Jesus opens them up, it's powerful, and today we're gonna look at the last three seals and what they mean, what they stand for, and what they're going to do to planet Earth. So without any further ado, I'm excited to share part two of the message, The Last Three Seals. Let's jump right in. All right, this is our fifth time in the book of Revelation. We've already had four sessions. Tonight's the fifth one. And let me just do a little recap and then we're gonna go ahead and and look tonight at chapters six and seven. Now we closed last time with John's prophecy in chapter six. Following the opening of the first four seals, literally a quarter of the earth's population is gonna perish. Isn't that just something else? That's something to think about. David the Psalmist wrote of what is coming. Psalms 96, verse 13, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Isn't that amazing? Because that's messianic. That's David predicting the return of Christ. And so it is, as the revelation unfolds, we now have three more seals that the Lord Jesus himself is going to break open and it's gonna unleash cosmic chaos with signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And can I say again, God is in charge of all of it. Then at the beginning of chapter six, we witnessed the opening of the first four seals. We saw this last time and the dreaded four horsemen of the apocalypse that Hollywood's done so many movies about and we all know about, but they are not a good thing. If you pause to consider what we're actually reading here, um, it's almost unimaginable. But this is what John saw. Now, folks, let me tell you something. The Bible predicted many things that have come to pass now that when people read them before they came to pass, they said that's impossible. That will never happen. And they always happen just like the Bible said. So though this may seem impossible, unimaginably, incomprehensible, it's not. I mean, start with this one. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Before that had happened, people read that and went, well, that must be metaphorical. That doesn't really mean what it says. Oh, but yes, it did. Because a virgin conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, and that which was conceived in her was the very Son of God begotten, right? Right? So the earth, says John, is going to be violently shaken. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. This passage confirms what Isaiah the prophet also predicted, just to show you that these heavy prophecies are repeated often in the Bible. Isaiah 13, 13, Therefore I will shake the heavens, says God, and the earth will move out of her place. In the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the day of when, everyone... His fierce anger. And again, Isaiah 2, verse 19. Look what will happen. They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. Now, it's ironic that this picture of men hiding among the rocks and, and, um, and in the caves is exactly what John predicts in chapter 6, verse 16, which we're going to read in just a moment. Same thing. We see that during the Great Tribulation, killer earthquakes are going to rock the planet. It could very well be that a worldwide blackout will occur as a result of volcanic and seismic disturbances when ash is spewed into the sky. That's just conjecture, but that could be why the sun goes dark. And there'll be an awesome reddening of the moon as when a total eclipse occurs. The prophet Joel predicted, and we all know this one, the moon will be turned into blood. But this is not referring to the blood moons we've lately heard so much about. It's not that. This is a one-time occurrence during the great tribulation. The moon, you'll look up at it and it will look blood red. And ash from volcanoes can do that. Just conjecture, but it could be that. Joel says it'll take place before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, which means the day of God's judgment and the day of Christ's return. Jesus, the same Jesus that gave John the book of Revelation, remember, same one, said in Matthew 24, 29, before he was crucified, he said, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. The phrase heavenly bodies is Uranas, and it means the visible heavens or the atmosphere. The earthly atmosphere will be shaken, deeply troubled and agitated during this time of the Great Tribulation. To me, it seems to suggest that meteors, possibly asteroids and other uh, interplanetary matter slam into the earth unlike the ones we sometimes see streaking across the sky, make a wish, oh, there's a shooting star, make a wish real quick before it goes away. No, uh, these will strike the ground. That's what he's saying. Stars, asteros is the word from which we get asteroids. Uh, those those will strike the ground instead of just passing by. And, you know, all the time you'll read that scientists are are very concerned about certain um meteorites in space that look like their trajectory is headed this way. And they've told us what would happen if just one of them struck the earth. And they know that it could happen. And, and I got to ask you, why has it never happened? Why, or at least not like it could, how, how come? Because God protects the earth until the time comes for his judgments to be poured out on the earth. And then it, it clearly says, stars will fall from the sky. And then the stars of the sky, I'm reading Revelation, then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree, shaken by a strong wind. So they strike the earth. Many of them are striking all at once. And these cosmic catastrophes are so severe, we read in verse 15, look at this. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, all the who's who's, All the leaders, political leaders, world leaders, financial leaders, the rich, all of the oligarchs, all of the kings of the earth. And then he goes on, every slave and every free man. You know what he's just done? He's covered everybody. What do they do? They hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, which is what Isaiah predicted. So here you got a repeat. You got John being shown by Jesus. The very same things the prophets concur with in the Old Testament. So this is not a one-time thing in the Bible. And look what it says. They call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. The one sitting on the throne is God and the wrath of the lamb is his son. For the great day of pearl, their wrath has come and who can stand? Folks, I'll tell you, every generation um, takes the whole notion of judgment lightly. Remember what Jesus said? He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Remember that? And and then he says, here's how it was in the days of Noah. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, buying and selling. So? Until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came. The flood that had been predicted for 120 years by Noah. He had preached for 120 years with not one convert. The only people on the ark was his family. That's it. Everybody else perished, but they had 120 years given by God, grace by God to repent and not one did. But I used to read that and go, well, why were they being judged? Because what's wrong with buying and selling and eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and doing business deals and just making a living. What's wrong with that? And then it hit me one day, the whole notion is this. Here's what Jesus was saying. They totally ignored the warnings of judgment. They were totally ignoring them. That was why Jesus described the people of Noah's day because they heard this man for 100, a century and 20 years a century and 20 years. They had 120 years and they mocked him. He's the old man down the street, the crazy guy building the boat where there's no water. He's talking about water coming out of heaven when it never had yet. It hadn't rained. A mist came up from the ground and watered the earth. There had not been rain. So he was predicting something was gonna come that had never happened before. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is predicting something is gonna come that has never come before. Jesus Christ is gonna come and appear in the clouds and they mock it, and they ridicule it, and they poo-poo it, and they just go about their life. And the whole thing with those of Noah's day is they were utterly unaffected by the preaching of the man of God. No conviction. And that is what happens in the Great Tribulation. We see the kings, princes, generals, rich, the mighty, every slave, every free man. They're in shock at what's happening. And they begin to call on nature to protect them. Instead of calling out on God, because the Bible says later in Revelation that they blaspheme God when they realize these judgments are from Him. But instead of asking for mercy, they blaspheme His name and they ask nature to protect them. Fall on us, rocks, hills, mountains, fall on us. We'd rather you bury us alive than face the one on the throne.
1: Wow, these are heavy times, church. This is powerful stuff. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in, or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff, with the rest of today's program.
0: Look at the hard-heartedness of the people that are there in the great tribulation. Now, we gotta wait till chapter eight to see what the seventh seal brings. Meanwhile, chapter seven starts. We're gonna quickly, because some of it we're not gonna read out loud, but it begins with another trip back into heaven. So here goes John, back into heaven. Now, he's just seen what's coming on the earth. He's taken back up into heaven and he encounters the tribulation saints we first met in chapter 6, Revelation 7, verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Now, the thing to get from verse 1 is this. They're about to release judgment on the land, the sea, and vegetation. And they are told, hold back, hold back, the four winds, don't judge anything yet. Verse two, then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal, the seventh seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. He says to them in verse three, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Now, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is showing John, there's gonna be a sealing, S-E-A-L-I-N-G, on the foreheads of 144,000 Jewish men in the Great Tribulation. We'll talk about why in just a moment. John then names the 12 tribes, and he notes that 12,000, of these special servants are chosen out of each of the 12 tribes. 12 times 12, 144,000. We note at this juncture that between the sixth and seventh seal, there is a divine interlude that takes up the entire chapter. So there's a pause between the sixth seal and the seventh seal being opened. In verses five to eight, as I already said, John identifies each of the 12 tribes by name. And as he watches, a special sealing, S-E-A-L-I-N-G of the 144,000 takes place and they are sealed with some kind of a seal on their foreheads. You remember the mark of Cain? Remember the mark of Cain? When Cain was judged by God and uh, he was made a vagabond, he was made a fugitive to travel the earth for the rest of his days. And Cain, who was the first murderer, he committed the first murder, uh, said, well, if if I have to be a fugitive and go out through the whole earth, then uh, somebody's going to kill me because they're going to know who I am and what I did, that I murdered my brother and they'll kill me. And God said, all right, I'll put a mark on your forehead. And it was not a mark, it wasn't a curse, it was a protection. It was a mark of protection because God said If anybody comes to you to hurt you, they will see the mark. The mark was so unique that somehow it said to anybody that wanted to hurt Cain, don't touch him. That's the mark of God on his forehead. And God saved his life, that mark. Now, in another sense, the mark put on the foreheads of this 144,000 Jewish men protects them while they do what God has called them to do it's a protection. This seal is like the seal of a notary on a document. It implies protection, legalization, authority, and authenticity. It says to anybody, they are mine. Interesting, uh, Paul comes along in Ephesians and tells us we were sealed as believers with the Holy Spirit living on the inside. We've been sealed too. Matter of fact, can I tell you tonight, you're signed, sealed, and delivered. (laughs) Amen. You're signed, sealed, and delivered. God put his seal on you. What is it? The Holy Ghost. Lost people don't have the Holy Ghost, right? No. The Holy Spirit only lives inside of those who have called on the name of Christ. Not everybody is a child of God. Everybody's created by God, but not everybody's a child of God. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. He said that to religious leaders. You are of your father, the devil, and you do exactly what he wants you to do. No, when you say, Jesus, forgive me, he seals you. He knows those who are his own. And when he returns to uh, catch up his church, he's gonna know exactly who you are. He's gonna know exactly, because you're going to be sealed and he's gonna know that seal, you're going up, amen? So regardless of the winds of adversity that come against this 144,000, they are kept, they are protected by God. And these 144,000 are gonna be the equivalent of 144,000 Jewish Billy Graham, speaking of Billy Graham, preaching the gospel throughout the world during the tribulation. Now, I'm glad I can give you some good news tonight because these judgments are so grim, but I want you to remember the verse that says where sin abounds, Grace does much more abound, amen, where sin abounds. So there's going to be no darker time in world history than the great tribulation. But here we find the merciful God sending out preachers to bring in a great harvest. And not only that, but later in the book, we're going to see that he sends out an angel shouting to the whole world, traveling the whole globe warning them not to take the mark and warning them to turn to Christ. So God's grace is moving, even in the great tribulation. We're about to see there's going to be an incredible harvest of souls. Now, isn't it ironic that the false Christ, Antichrist, is also going to cause those submitted to his system to receive a mark, where? On their forehead or on the back of their hand. Mark of the beast, we get to that later in the book. And the mark of the beast also has a sealing effect, but not for salvation, for damnation. Later in the book, those people in chapter seven are Israelites, end time Jewish people who accept Christ as Messiah and during the great tribulation. They become the godly remnant of the end times and dynamic witnesses for the Lord in the end times. During the first three and a half years of the tribulation, they're going to be proclaimers of the gospel, spiritually and supernaturally protected while they spread the gospel around the world. And we're going to see the great harvest. Look what John says in verse nine. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. Now, this is right after the sealing of the 144,000. So this is the result of the sealing. This is the flow, the chronological flow Of the 144,000 being sealed and anointed, now we're seeing the fruit of their ministry. After this, I looked and there was before me a great multitude nobody could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. This is not the martyrs we saw a moment ago. This is a vast, innumerable, multitude of tribulation saints saved during the great tribulation. And it says in verse 10, they cried with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So clearly they got salvation on their mind. Why? Because they've been saved. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, I want all of us to say this together because this is going on in heaven right now. Can you read it with me? Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? John was smart. He said, you know, if God ever asks you a question, it's very wise to say, you know what? You know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. Again, there's the definite article, the. So it's not just any tribulation. It's the great one, the seven year. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. They got saved. Verse 15, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serving day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. That means protect them. Verse 16, I love this. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. I believe verse 16 is telling us what they had been experiencing on earth in the great tribulation before going to heaven. They were hungry. They were thirsty. The sun was beating down on them and they were being scorched by heat. They were in a rough moment. But God says, when you're in heaven, all the suffering is over. For the lamb, verse 17, at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Everybody say, no more crying. We're gonna read later at the end of the book. There's no more suffering, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease. It's all past tense. This stunning description is of both Jewish and Gentile people who come to Christ during the preaching of the 144,000. And amazingly, here's one of the ways God uses the great tribulation. When people see all this stuff going on and they hear these Jewish evangelists preaching the gospel, they say, this has to be the judgment of God. I'm gonna come under the blood while I still can. And there's a great ingathering of souls during the Great Tribulation, although many of them will die martyrs' deaths.
1: Thanks for tuning in today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 877 884 3111. You can also connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. It's no secret that our country has had some extreme challenges over the last year or two. People have been going through depression, isolation, emotional pains, disillusionment, and more, and are looking for something to grab a hold of for security. Well, the answer is not in something, it's someone Jesus Christ. And that's what this program is all about. So here's how you can help us get this message out. Being a listener supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you, and we believe that these messages with Pastor Jeff are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. 877-884-3111 or go to hardwired.org. Thank you for your very generous gifts. God bless and thanks for listening to Hardwired.